Um, everybody say pattern of prayer. Little Johnny, a little five-year-old, told his dad that he wanted a baby brother. His dad paused for a moment and said, if you will pray for two full months, I guarantee you God will answer your prayer. He'll give you one. After a month long, little Johnny got distracted and quit praying. About a month goes by again, and little Johnny's mom goes to the hospital. <clears throat> little Johnny is also invited. And after some hours, they bring little Johnny back into the hospital room, and they go to surprise him with their new, the new addition. And, and, and so little Johnny goes in, they pull back the blanket, and wouldn't you believe that there's not just one baby, but there's two babies. And the father looked at him and said, now aren't you glad you prayed? And little Johnny said back to him, yes, but aren't you glad I quit? <laughs> we are talking about the pattern of prayer. And you'll understand more of that in just a few moments. <clears throat> uh, allow me for a moment to just recap a little bit of what we covered last week. We talked last week that God wants us to pray. God wants us to pray. And all through the Bible, you see reinforced over and over the importance of prayer in our lives. Well, Pastor Ethan, what is prayer? I'll help you with that. Prayer is simply talking and listening to God. Simply talking and listening to God. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says this, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. I love that the writer lets us know that you just don't need to be passionate. You need to be earnest, but in addition to your passion, you need to be disciplined in prayers. Now, when I think of prayer, I don't normally hear people say you need to be disciplined in, in prayer, but it gives the idea that when we are to pray, it is a discipline in our lives meaning that we don't always want to do it. It is something we have to discipline ourselves to do. It's kind of like going to the gym, kind of like eating good. It's kind of like living within a budget. It takes discipline. And the more you discipline yourself to do it, the easier it gets and the more rewarding it becomes. Are you still with me? So the more we live within a budget, with our discipline, it gets easier and it becomes more rewarding. I believe the same is true with, with prayer. Well, Pastor Ethan, how do we become disciplined in prayer? I'm glad you asked. A couple of steps to help us that we covered last week. That if you wanna go back, we go more into details with all of these. Number one, plan a time to pray. For some your early risers, you could do it in the morning. For some, after the kids go to bed, you pray in the evenings. Maybe it's a break at work. Maybe it's in the car on the way to work, but just schedule time. Because you don't find time to pray, you make time to pray. Amen, everybody? Yes. Number two, plan a place to pray. Plan a place. So you not only do you plan time, but you plan a place. So maybe it's a spare bedroom, a, a corner office, Maybe it is in your car. Maybe it's in the kitchen. Maybe you have a special chair that you go to and pray in. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you, find that place or that space that helps you focus to be alone in your heart with God. So not only do we want you to plan a time to pray, we want to, you to plan a place to pray. And thirdly, we want you to plan a pattern to pray. 
Now, Pastor Ethan, what do you mean by pattern? The series is called Pattern to Prayer, or Pattern to Pray. What do you mean by pattern? Well, it's simply this. You could look at it as an outline. Something that you follow, a trajectory that we stay with, a course that we stick to while we pray. Because if you're like me, it's easy to get distracted when you pray. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you don't, are not even listening right now. Are you hearing me? So, so it's just easy to get distracted when you're alone and you settle your mind and your phone's beeping and just settle your heart, get your phone away from you for a moment and let's just learn about a pattern that we can follow when we pray. And I gotta give a special shout out to Pastor Larry Stocksa who taught me this a year ago at Pastors University. I believe this prayer, I'm not just saying this, has changed my prayer life forever. So it's a pattern that we're gonna follow. Now, you may recall in the Old Testament, this is where we kind of are lifting our idea from. If you go to the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 25, you find that the beginning of Exodus, God has pulled the children of Israel out of Egypt, 400 years of slavery. They are now on their way to the land called the Promised Land, as flows with milk and honey. He's using Moses as the pastor of these million people to move them from one place to the other. That, that travel lasted about 40 years. Well, in that time, God came to Moses and said, I want to be with my people. Aren't you thankful God wants to be with us? And so he tells Moses, he says, I have some specific instructions for you to follow. I want you to build me a tabernacle, something that will go in the wilderness that can be taken down and put back up as we move along in our journey. And I will come and visit you there. And so God, through the book of Exodus and the book of Leviticus, gives specifications to the building of this tabernacle and how we are to sacrifice and how we are to approach it and all the rules and rituals and regulations that went into approaching God in the Old Testament. Now, let me say this before we get started. I'm thankful I'm not in the Old Testament. You should have said amen a whole lot louder. Somebody say Amen. We don't have to approach God this way. This is something from the old dispensation of the law. We are now under grace with Jesus and soon we'll all be in heaven with the rapture. But before all that comes, I want all of us to learn about the pattern that we can pull from the Old Testament. Now you can see a picture of the tabernacle. This was the specific instructions God gave Moses. You can read through this in Exodus chapter 25, 26, 27, where he explains how he wants things built. Everything is to a very detailed, like very detailed, to sizes, to inches, to cloth types, to everything, to what is to be laid in, cased in, everything. And so we learn from this a pattern that we can follow. Now, the priest was only allowed to go in occasionally based on sacrifices that God had told Israel to have. And only once a year could they go into what they call the most holy of holies in the time of atonement. And, to, and it's, it's really complicated, but let me explain it to you as slowly or as easy as I can. Only the priest was allowed in. Normal people were not allowed in. And the priest would go in on the behalf of the people and offer sacrifices and tend to these things of worship to God. The priest would have to wear certain garments and everything that was required in the Old Testament. And when they would go in, the Bible, or actually Jewish history tells us that they would wrap a rope around their leg or their waist, put bells on the priest, because this is how serious this was to be taken, that they could die in there if they didn't do everything right. 
if they were not clean, they could die in the tabernacle. So they would tie a rope to the priest and he would go in and if the bell stopped ringing, that brother's dead, time to pull them out. Are you with me? So it's a very serious how it was handled in the Old Testament. Now, as you can see, as I wanna remind you again, this is a pattern to follow. And if you don't get it perfect, that's okay. This is just something to help us all follow in prayer. Now, as you can see, we have seven different places in prayer that we can follow. All seven of them are we're gonna touch on in the next few weeks. Last week, we talked about the gate. Everybody say the gate. Now, the gate represents in Psalms 100 verse four, to enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. Now when we begin to pray, this is the idea. Start with being thankful. Start with the spirit of gratitude. Start by saying, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you love me. Thank you for my wife and my kids and my job. And thank you for my husband. Thank you for all. You understand what I'm saying? We're just being in a spirit of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Take a moment in the beginning of your prayer time to be in a spirit of of gratitude. And when your heart begins to warm and you begin to feel the spirit of gratitude in your heart, then we go to the next step in the tabernacle called the brazen altar. The brazen altar. Now the brazen altar was bigger than any other piece of furniture. It stood in the outer court with its poles removed. It was a hollow wooden box overlaid with bronze measuring four and a half feet high, seven and a half foot square, there, there were large grates on top and then on the side so that it could breathe. There was a fire burning at all times and it was almost, think of like a barbecue, Mississippi. That's kind of what we're dealing with right now. And what would happen is the priest would come in and lay sacrifices on that altar. The brazen altar was a very bloody place. So the second place we go to in prayer, number one, we start in gratitude. Number two, we go to Calvary. We come to the place where Jesus shed his blood. We remind ourselves of the finished work that he has done for us. We meditate and begin to, what Pastor Larry taught me, to visualize the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 27 says, unlike those other high priests, the ones that would in the Old Testament come, he, talking of Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sin, speaking of the priests in the Old Testament. They did this for their own sin first, and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus, I'm so thankful for Jesus, did this once and for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sin. You could say this, the brazen altar is where Jesus laid his life and died for you. In fact, let me go a little further. Died as you. That should have been you, that should have been me, dying for our sin, but God stepped in your story while we were yet sinners, God died for the ungodly, wrapped himself in flesh, came to earth, and died for our sins. 
So when we pray, we begin to remind ourselves, God, I thank you for the finished work of Jesus. I'm thankful for the blood. I'm thankful for your peace. I'm thankful that what is provided through salvation. Now hear me today. There are many people that could be like uncomfortable with prayer because they feel shame. I'm guilty, I'm this, I'm a bad person, I'm not a good guy, I'm a bad, and God doesn't wanna hear from me. Let me tell you something. I think it's interesting the brazen altar is very early in the prayer because he wasn't gonna let you go any further until you pass through the blood. He needed you to understand that if you're gonna come to me, you don't do it in your own power, you don't do it in your own performance, you don't do it in your own intellect, you, don't, you come to me in the name of Jesus, you couldn't come in my presence. But Jesus, when you're covered in the blood, I come to you in the name of Jesus. That's why when you pray for somebody in the hospital, you don't pray in your own name. You say, God, raise them up in the name of Jesus. That's why when you pray for your daughter and your son, that's why when they're running away, they can run away from you, but they can't run away from the name of Jesus. Am I preaching to anybody at 11 a.m.? There are some things that come with the blood of Jesus. And number one that I remind myself every day is I'm thankful for salvation. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. He forgives me based on his grace. Nothing I did deserved it. I'm saved because of his blood. Number two, healing. Isaiah 53 verse five says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sin. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And in that moment of prayer, you just begin to thank God for healing in your body. Thank God for healing in our minds, healing in our families, healing in our nation, healing in our hearts, that God is a God who wants you healed, or he wouldn't have died. The second, or the third thing is I begin to thank God for freedom. Not only in his blood is there salvation, not only in his blood is there healing, but there's also freedom. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Aren't you thankful that when you came to Jesus, you're not where you used to be, <laughs> that your life looked one way, but now that you're on this side of the cross, come on, I'll take a little better clap this morning to remind yourself what Jesus has done for you and for me. You used to be addicted, but you got to Calvary. You used to be sick, but you got to the cross. You used to be bound, but you got to the blood. I've come to tell you today, there's nothing like the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. An old song says there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the lamb. There's another one that said, at the cross, at the cross. Remember that song? Where I first saw the light and the burden of my soul rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. Anybody know those old ones? I love them old ones. There was one that said, there is a fount full of blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins where sinners beneath take that plunge or something like that. 
lose all their guilty state. There's just something about the brazen altar that when we are in prayer, we just thank God that I'm saved, thank God that I'm healed, thank God that I'm free. And I know I'm among the right people to tell you, is there anybody thankful for the blood today? If God never did another thing for you, guess what? Calvary was enough. If God never did another thing in your life, if God just said, I'm done, well, I come to say thank you for all you did do because Calvary was enough. If I'm saved and I'm healed and I'm whole and I'm on the winning side and I'm on my way to heaven, I got something to thank God for. So you, you, you take some time and you begin at the gate and you begin in a spirit of thankfulness. You then move to the brazen altar where you begin to thank God and meditate and pray about his finished work. You begin to meditate on the power of the blood. You begin to pray, God, I'm so thankful for your salvation. I would be lost without you. I'm so thankful that you healed me. When you healed me in the past and you're healing me today, I'm thankful that you've given me freedom. And as I follow you, more freedom is to come in my life. The prayers don't stop there. We go to our next place and it's called the laver. The laver. The laver was similar to a bird bath, as you can see. It was filled with water at the bottom of the basin were mirrors. And after the sacrifices, the priests would leave the brazen altar where there was ashes and soot and blood, and they would come to the brazen, excuse me, the laver, and they would wash their hands and they would wash their feet. You can find all of this in scripture. Before they would proceed any further, before they went to the candlestick, the table of showbread, before they went to the altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant, no, no, you need to go to the laver and you need to wash. You need to cleanse. You need to have a moment where you look in that mirror and see your reflection and wash yourself. The laver represents a place of cleansing, a place of washing, and hear me, a word that would make almost any church empty in 2023, repentance. It's a place of humility. It's a place where you look down and you see you for who you really are. You, you really look and you begin to examine. You take a moment and you see the contents of your heart. You take a moment and you just do some examination on your ego. You just look down for a moment and you begin to wash, you begin to cleanse, and somebody could say, well, how do, you, how do you do this? First John chapter one, verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's, it's really fascinating that this is after the brazen altar. Many people would think that this would be before the brazen altar, before you even come to God. You get your life together. And... No, no. I think God knows that if we jump the brazen altar and get to the labor, if all we do in prayer is go straight to I'm sorry, straight to I'm a dog, straight to I failed, straight to this, that's called condemnation. 
That's called shame. But if we first go through our Savior before we get to our sin, our sin just seems to get so much smaller. And we remember how much bigger he really is. One writer said, for every one time I look at my sin, it's five times I look to my Savior. The writer of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. The enemy always wants us to look at our past, look at our failures, look at our shortcomings. I've come to tell you today to just echo the words of your Bible. Look unto Jesus, because he saves, he heals, and delivers. Before you wash yourself, make sure you walk through the blood. If we confess our sins. Now hear me today. In that sentence, I think, is the remainder of this message. If we confess our sin, when we come to the labor, we still need to recognize. Everybody say recognize. We have to recognize there are still things called sin. That went over about as like I thought. It's 2023, Pastor Ethan. Nobody sins, everybody's sick. Nobody sins, everybody is a mistaker. We're not sinners. We just misstep here and then. Can I tell you, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we are born in sin and shapen in iniquity. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And, and John said that if anybody says they don't have sin, there is no truth in him. When you come to the labor, recognize that there are still some things that you're missing the mark in your life. That this is just not God's best for you. You look and you look down, you see the reflection, and you are honest about your thoughts. You're honest about your behavior. You're honest about your attitude. Are you hearing me today? You recognize the reality of what this is doing to you. The Bible says that sin, when it is finished, its course brings forth death, and I know you may be real spiritual today, and I know you would never want to blow your cover, but I've come to tell you today, everybody in this room is inconsistent and struggles with sin. I know church folk get so fake, the longer you're in this, you just think, I don't got no sin. I've been, just because you kept coming to church, it's like, oh, you got the sin of self-righteousness. I know that was a word for somebody. <laughs> Wash yourself. Not only do you recognize, but number two, you take responsibility. He says, we, if we confess our sin, if I will just confess my sin. Here's what I've learned. It's easy to point out everybody else's sin but our own. I know I'm preaching right now. It is so easy to confess your sin than it is to confess my sin. It's easier to recognize where you fail rather than where I fail. Because here's what I've learned. You ever notice this? That you're the smartest person in your family. You ever know? You ever think about that? Like, if everybody just listened to me, everybody would be all right. You ever notice that about ourselves? We put ourselves in such a position of ego and pride and confidence that if we were really honest today, it's not as easy to look at our own sin as it is to see everybody else's sin. My pastor asked me this yesterday. 
and we were talking about the message, and he said something so profound. He says, if I were to ask you today what's wrong with the world, you would say politicians, you would say Republicans, you would say Democrats, you would say the media. Not one person would say me. Not one person would be honest and say, hey, it's, it's inside of me. I'm what's wrong with my world. Taking responsibility. In a, in a culture of outrage, where we're always blaming everybody, everybody's victimized, nobody's, everybody's against me, everybody else is privileged, I'm this, I'm, I'm, I'm oppressed. That spirit can slip in the church, which by the way is a demonic spirit, because it makes us prideful. It creates spiritual narcissism. When we become proud, at least I'm not like them. At least I'm not like her. At least I'm still married. At least I pay my tithes. At least I go to church. Have you been to the labor in a while? Before you become so proud of your spiritual activity, before you become so proud that you can read the King James Version and your husband can't? Somebody needed that one too. Before you become so proud in yourself of you, why don't you go to the laver, take a walk with God, and wash yourself and say, God, I see me for who I am. I see my pride, I see my arrogance, I see my ego, I see my sin. Call it what it is, sin. Your selfishness, my selfishness. All sin is selfishness. Because if it didn't benefit you, you wouldn't do it. Amen. All sin, name every one of them. They're all, in a gra they're all gravitational pull to self. To walk in the spirit is life and peace, but to walk in the flesh is death. If I don't ever go here, I could be in church and on my way to death. Psalmist said, chapter 139, David said, search me. <laughs> Just stop there. How many times we want God to search her? Search him, search the pastor, search the small group leader, search my mother-in-law, search my father-in-law. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. Get to the labor and ask God to search me, oh God. Know my heart, try me. Know my thoughts and see if there be any at all grievous way in me. And the scripture's not over. And, and lead me in the way everlasting. God is wanting you to look at the labor. God is not looking in your life, to, searching your heart to harm you. He's not, according to this verse, looking to cause pain. This verse is saying he's looking to lead you to the path everlasting. What does that mean? God wants you to go to the labor because he has a purpose and a destiny. He wants to lead you down the paths of righteousness. 
want you to go. He wants you to look. Hear me. I'm talking to somebody right now. God doesn't need to look as much as you need to look. When God came to the garden after Adam and Eve sinned, he said, Adam, where are you? You think God didn't know where Adam really was? God wasn't playing hide and seek. God was not confused. It's not that God needed to know where Adam was. God wanted Adam to know if Adam knew where he was. Do you know where you are? Have you looked and noticed that you've gone out of alignment? Have you looked and noticed that you have fallen short? Have you looked, or are you just chugging ahead, thinking everybody else is wrong? That coach don't, that coach disrespecting me. That school don't understand. Just, the Bible says only pride comes contention. Maybe the reason there's so much contention in your family isn't because of her, it's because you haven't gone here. Maybe the reason there's so much contention in churches is because we've become so proud of what we have and the church as a whole hasn't gone here. The Bible says God resisteth the proud but gives grace to the humble. It is a spirit of humility at the labor and prayer that we come. One counselor said that one of life's dangers could be that we live our lives without ever taking personal responsibility or accountability that what, for what needs to change. It's easy just to point out. It's easy to say they're wrong, they this, they that, that and never looking and assaulting our pride. Throughout the Bible, you can see over and over the human nature is to defend and excuse and to explain. And we are masters at downplaying our own sins and failures and faults and emphasizing the sins and failures and faults in others. He said, I want to lead you to the path everlasting, but I can't do it with a Christian lifestyle that skips right over repentance and goes straight to needs. God, I need money. I need a blessing. I need favor. I need a new job. I need a new this. I need a new that. And God said, did you just jump straight to what I can give you when you haven't humbled yourself? We're talking to the king of the ages. We're talking to the man who flung stars and the Bible says named every one of them. We're talking to the man who lifted mountains and lowered valleys. We're, we're talking to God. And he says, when you come to me, lower yourself and remind yourself that he's king and he's savior, and he's almighty, and I'm nothing but, I'm nothing, God. I need you. I see me for who I am. Uh, you know my frame, the Bible says. I see me for my failures. I can do nothing apart from you. If you can just recognize and take responsibility and be honest before God, that you have defended and pretended and been plastic for so long before Almighty God, what would happen if you just said, God, here I am? If we can recognize it, we can take responsibility in the last thing, if we just repent, we just repent.
meaning we confess to God. We begin to realign our lives. And, and we become like John the Baptist that says, I must decrease so that he can increase. I need less of me and more of him. I would venture to say that most of the problems that we face can be brought back to that we have not been humble. We have not been honest. Or somebody hasn't washed themselves and said, God, here I am. It's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my mama. I'm my daddy. They have to do it themselves. And here's the danger. Here's the danger. Look at this. I want to look at this camera. Here's the danger. It's so funny when I pastor after service, I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, oh, I'm going to send that message to my husband. He needs to hear that. <laughs> or there's people in here right now saying, I'm so glad she's in here. She needs to hear that. She's so proud. I ain't talking to her right now. And I ain't talking to your husband right now. I'm talking to you. God in his omnipotent, omniscient power wants to have a relationship with us. But the only way it works is not that there's two kings, a King Jesus and a King Ethan. There can't be two. He's gotta be Lord of all or he ain't Lord at all. And submit your life and be honest before God. Not to me. Same for me. Last service, I opened up the altars. And it was full from one side to the other of people saying, God, I don't want this to be about me no more. I don't know your story. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know anything. But I know this. Everybody needs the labor. Everybody needs a moment with God where they say, you know, I've gotten out of whack and I have lost track. I've gotten off course. If we will confess our sin, watch this, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And I love this word, to cleanse us. I don't know how to describe this to you, but sometimes you just need a good cleansing. I remember I prayed for a teenager. They gave their life to Jesus after service. Somebody said, how do you feel? He's like, I don't know, but it feels like I took a bath on the inside. <laughs> Can I tell you today, we all need that washing. We all need that cleansing. God, forgive us. Our trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. With eyes closed, all over the room. I want to ask you today, in this moment, do you need to come to the labor? Before God, with all honesty in your heart, know that God 
here I am. Here's my heart. Here's my attitude. Here's my thought life. I present to you myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. It's my reasonable service. God, I give you my hands. I give you my feet. I give you my ears. I give you my eyes. I just turn it over to you. I've let myself feed me too long. I've been king for too long. And what I want to do, with eyes closed, if you're in the room right now, they're going to sing. I don't care if just one comes. But when I grew up in church, we would open the altars for a spirit of repentance and honesty before God saying, God, you're number one, not me. Look at it like this, realigning your tires. Somebody's tires have been out of alignment and pulling you off track. And today you need to be honest before God. I want to realign my life again. The altars are open now. I don't care if just one comes. But somebody needs an altar right now to say before God, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. washed me white thank you Jesus thank you thank you Jesus, Jesus. you have saved my if you're in the risers don't be afraid to come down brought me from the somebody feels the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart make the step make the move make the make the step of faith get out of your comfort zone and say to God God today I realign my life Jesus, for the blood of life. Thank you, Jesus. It has washed Thank you, me white. Thank you, Jesus. Thank Will the room stand with us all Jesus, over the room, please? You have saved my life. You brought me from Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Don't hold off. The enemy's trying to shame you right now. Don't go down there. What are your friends going to think? Can I tell you something? Your friends won't be there on Judgment Day. You're going to be there. And if you need a moment with God, make your way to the front right now. If you need to get down in your seat, make your seat an altar. Do whatever it takes. If you need a moment with the king to wash yourself with the labor.
humility we pray and cleanse ourselves here and we say we're sorry for our arrogance and our pride we say we're sorry for insisting on doing things our way we ask you Holy Spirit to help us be humble before an almighty God we ask that your spirit strengthen us to lower ourselves before you and never forget the posture needed to approach the throne of God. As we come to you today, we repent of our sins. We repent of our actions. We repent of our behaviors. We repent of our thoughts and our emotions that don't align with your word. God, your word says that you cleanse us, that you are faithful. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, the conviction power that drew them to the front, that has them in their seats, of them watching online, I pray the Holy Spirit that drew them will keep empowering them. And I pray in the name of Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation. Shame off of you. Shame off you. Shame off you. Victory in Jesus. Healing, salvation, and freedom in the name of Jesus. We decree it. We declare it, and the enemy was nervous. He didn't want you at church today. He didn't want you at the altar today. He didn't want you hearing a word that got you out of the way. 
come to tell you today what the enemy meant for evil to distract and to derail. Hell, God woke up this morning. God stepped in your situation. He picked up the pen and he's writing a new story, a new chapter, a new day. Come on, let's sing together. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for grace. Thank you, Jesus, for mercy. Come on, give him praise and glory in the house. song that said glory to his name anybody remember that one thank you Jesus sing it Pastor Tyson we say glory to his name come on you remember your grandmama singing it glory to his name come on somebody all over the room and there to my heart was the blood Glory to his name. Come on, sing it again. We say glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Jesus there. And there to my Thank you, Jesus. Glory to his name. Just the voices. Come on, Pastor Tyson. Come on, if you're thankful for Jesus today, if you're thankful for the blood today, 
If you're thankful for mercy today, if you're thankful for cleansing today, the world could be looking in and saying, why you gotta act like that? Why you gotta do all that? Why? Because you don't know like we know. You ain't have what we have. You ain't seen what we've seen. But if you've ever been saved, and you've ever been healed, and you've ever been made free, you would praise like we pray. You would worship like we worship. You would shout like we shout. You would clap like we clap. Father, I pray a blessing over this room today, strength over this room, peace over this room, and today be a new chapter. Old things have passed away, and all things, all things have become new. We decree it, and we declare it, and we believe it in the name of Jesus. In, you hear me with the paper in your hand? You, in the name of Jesus. Don't let the past come back. Don't let the past tell you anything. The past, don't cheat on your future with your past. There's something in the past trying to pull you back, but God has something in store for you in the future that will blow your mind. Come on, give God a big praise.